It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, is Jordan Hawkins the dead-eye knockdown shooter the Raptors should be taking at 13 after his storied history of not drafting anyone who can shoot? We'll get into the answer and why I think Jordan Hawkins should be very near the top of the Raptors board at 13 on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary three by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show at Locked On Raptors on Twitter and also on Instagram. And of course, we have a Discord server, baby. Join the Locked On Raptors Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast. If it's expired, just shoot me a DM and I will also get it to you, no problem. Uh, we've got over 70 folks now in the Locked On Raptors Discord community hanging out, talking fake trades, talking off-season playoffs, everything in between, getting sad about the stupid Blue Jays. It's wonderful. So come please hang out. It's a great little community we're building around the show that is like the best place right now to talk about the Raptors on the internet I'd say uh today's show uh can also be found on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube as is every other episode so please subscribe rate review all that good stuff to support the show and if you're watching on YouTube you'll see the brand new graphic setup we've got baby maybe this is the reason to make the jump over to YouTube to see a nice crisp clean look on the screen it's a uh, lovely shout out to our wonderful director of production Brian at Locked On for putting this all together so uh yeah this is the new look this is the show let's get to it we're gonna get into Jordan Hawkins on today's show as we continue our run through some of the guys who might be there for the Raptors at number 13. Talked Kobe Bufkin and Kaysen Wallace last week. We'll continue on with more of these player profiles as we go forward as well. And we're talking Jordan Hawkins out of UConn today. Probably the best shooter in this year's draft, or at least the best shooter in the range of the Raptors at 13. Uh, So we'll get into all of that uh, before we dive in. However... Got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code LOCKED. 
on. All right, let's get to it. Jordan Hawkins talk. We'll get into the good and the bad of his game coming up. We'll get into whether or not he'll be there for the Raptors at number 13. But let's just give you the tail of the tape, shall we, on Jordan Hawkins. He's a 6'5 shooting guard, about as pure a shooting guard as you're going to find in basketball, really. He's just like kind of the archetypical shooting guard. Uh, 6'5", again, 16.2 points a game, 3.4 boards, 1.3 assists, 1.4 turnovers. We'll get into the playmaking and why that's not something to really be uh, excited about here with Jordan Hawkins, but everything else... Pretty tight. 44.5% on twos, 38.8% on 7.6 attempts from three, and an 88.7 clip from the free throw line, 58.4 true shooting overall for Jordan Hawkins, who of course was one of the best players on the eventual national champion UConn Huskies this past season, Uh, was excellent during their tournament run. And, uh, you know, one of those guys who probably gets helium off the tournament, but was doing it well before the tournament as well. He was really, really good for UConn this season. Um, You know, he's 21. This is sort of where the conundrum begins, right? It's that age-old thing. Uh, Do you go for someone who's older and maybe has a lower upside, or do you go for someone with that upside who doesn't quite have the floor built in? Uh, And honestly, for me... I just don't care that he's 21. I think Jordan Hawkins is the type of dude who's going to fit on basically any team in the modern NBA. Uh, I feel like teams sometimes like outfox themselves a little bit in this where they're trying to draft guys who are going to have that crazy upside that they might hit in like a 10% outcome, but they kind of miss the, the high floor guys and guys who are just going to be no doubt very good NBA players. And, and to me, like... When I my philosophy when it comes to this is I would always rather just go for the guy I know is going to be a good NBA player. Um, you know the odds I think are like extremely unlikely that at 13 you're going to turn that pick into a franchise altering superstar. It happens sometimes to be sure. You got Devin Booker, Shea Gilgis Alexander. There have been picks in this range who have turned in to super duper stars, but. It's such a tough thing to nail. It's a hard thing to predict. And I would rather just get a guy who comes in carrying a lot of very translatable NBA skills. And I feel like teams just kind of outthink themselves on these things, right? Like, I feel like we saw this with Desmond Bain a couple years ago. Um, You know, not to sort of poke old wounds with the Malachi Flynn pick. Um, But... Like, Desmond Bain was, like, an older guy. It's like, oh, he's, like, 22 already? What is this? He's going to, like, age out and be through his, like, aging prime curve relatively soon here? When you're talking about guys who are 21, 22 coming into the league, like, yeah, they're going to go through the life cycle of their career faster. That's just how math works. But I'm not worried about 30-year-old Jordan Hawkins, who might not even be on the Raptors. I'm worried about 21 through 28-year-old Jordan Hawkins, and I feel like 21 through 28-year-old Jordan Hawkins is going to be a bloody good basketball player. And so I am always down to go and pick guys who are going to kind of have that high floor come in, and maybe there's not a super-duper high ceiling there. But at the same time, not everybody can be uh, uh, on the ball, heliocentric superstar. Very few players are, in fact, that. I'd rather play the odds and get someone who you kind of know is going to translate and be a good NBA player. And I have absolutely no reason to think Jordan Hawkins isn't at least going to be a good player on good NBA teams for a long time. Maybe a great player, maybe like an, uh, an excellent upper echelon role player, which is a wonderful thing to find. You know, I wouldn't go that crazy just yet there's still some warts in his game to work out but overall the three-point shooting that Jordan Hawkins brings to the table that stuff's gonna play and man what a wonderful addition his three-point shooting would be 
to a team that doesn't have shooting, kind of like as like a general franchise philosophy, it seems. And I think Masai Ujiri spoke at the end of the season about the need to add more shooting. That's clear. I don't know how you go and do that in free agency because that is, you know, guys who can shoot, they're going to get paid in free agency. Gary Trent Jr. is your pending UFA, and you might not sign him back because he's going to make too much money elsewhere. Um, You know, still TBD on what's actually going to happen with Gary Trent Jr. Maybe he just opts in. Maybe, I doubt that happens, but maybe. Uh, Maybe the Raptors work out a deal with him and they just keep his shooting in-house. But either way, even if Gary Trent Jr. is gone or if he's still here... I have no problem taking Jordan Hawkins because shooting doesn't go out of style. The Raptors had three guys who were reliable three-point shooters last season. You can't have them all on the floor at all times. You're just kind of going in with a, like a built-in disadvantage when you don't have spacing and shooting dotting most of your positions on the floor. And so Jordan Hawkins, to me, whether Trent's back or not, is the pick for me. Like that, I mean, if you're looking to add shooting to the roster, pure shooting He's the pick, and I think you know there's a good chance he's theirs. We'll get into later on. It makes a lot of sense, man. Like having someone like Jordan Hawkins who can just bomb away and do it in all different facets of shooting. Right? He does it on the run. He does it catch and shoot. He can step in and hit a mid ranger. Like the shooting that this guy brings to the table is something that is very much needed with the Raptors. And so, barring what happens, like regardless of what happens with Gary Trent Jr., I think he's worth a very, very long look for the Raptors. At 13, I'll get into where I have him ranked on my personal board among the guys we've talked about later on, but I, I'm, a, I'm a big Jordan Hawkins fan, and I just also just love dudes who very clearly just, like, know how to play basketball and play within a team. You know, he just won a championship. I don't know. I know it's, like, unquantifiable and all this stuff, but I feel like that has to matter, being a massive cog in a team that just won a national championship and won a really nice run through March. Um, and also, Jordan Hawkins screams to me, like, dude who knows where to stand and like we love dudes who know where to stand and for the Raptors I think that's such an important thing to add into the mix here um yeah as much as the the upside maybe doesn't seem there that Jordan Hawkins doesn't really have the sort of juice on the ball to become some sort of star guard from from the two position the Raptors have a lot of guys with the ball in their hands already and I think complementing them with just dead-eye three-point shooting you could do a lot worse than going that route with Jordan Hawkins. And if again, if the Raptors are looking to address their shooting in the draft, if that is their ma- main vehicle by which they're going to add shooting this summer, barring a free agent signing of some kind with the MLE, um, Jordan Hawkins feels like the dude who most addresses that need. So I could totally see him being the pick for the Raptors, even if he's maybe not the sort of athletic, wingy type the Raptors have typically gone for in the past. We'll come back on the other side, get into the more specific areas of where Jordan Hawkins is good, where he needs to grow. Are the growth areas that much of a red flag for a Raptors team that maybe doesn't need him to grow into those extra areas all that much to be successful? We'll get into that in just a hot second before we dive into that. However, got to tell you about our good friends over at prize picks who have made daily fantasy sports fun easy super duper accessible look i am not the type of person who loves season-long fantasy sports just not for me it's too long too much setting my lineup every day too much forgetting when guys are injured not my favorite and so if you're a baseball fan for example this is right around the time late may or if i am in a fantasy baseball league this is where i'm giving up on my team entirely if that's like you 
then you should be going and using prize picks for your nightly fantasy fix. All you got to do is pick two to six players and whether they will score more or less than their prize picks projection in a given stat. And if you get all six right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And it's not just baseball, not just basketball. You can go cross-sport entries, baby. You got the WNBA season going on right now. The NFL, uh, sorry, not the NFL, the NHL and NBA are deep into their playoff runs right now. So you've got games pretty regularly, single sort of really high-priced, important primetime games and all that you can get on the action with prize picks again all the sports under the sun available for you to choose from entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's super duper easy and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in canada and every province except for ontario at the moment download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on again that's 100 bucks into your account to join your original 100 bucks courtesy prize picks if you use that promo code locked on when you go and download the app and sign up get that instant deposit match of 100 bucks with prize picks the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Digging into another one of our draft prospects, Jordan Hawkins, the 6'5 shooting guard out of UConn. Let's get into what he does well and what he doesn't do so well, shall we? Uh, Again, shooting is the thing for Jordan Hawkins. You go through all of the tape. All of the wonderful long smash cut videos of all the highlights. You go through uh, the the wonderful scouting videos, like our, our wonderful friend over at Hoop Intellect, who does really great scouting breakdowns. All it is is just Jordan Hawkins banging threes. It's beautiful, and, and the form on his shot. I'm not a shot doctor. I do not claim to be one, but I know a good looking jumper when I see it. And boy, oh boy. That Jordan Hawkins Jimmy is super smooth, super square to the basket, basically at all times, really quick, really repeatable looking. It's like a gorgeous looking jump shot. And you could do a lot worse than drafting a guy who's just going to do really pretty jump shots for your team for a long time. Um, You know, I know that's kind of been like a bit of a lost art among Toronto Raptors players for quite some time now, but uh, having just like a silky smooth release and jumper that can kind of get off anywhere Really, really appealing to me as a potential skill to add into the Raptors mix. Um, just some numbers per Raphael Barlow's breakdown on NBA Big Board. 44% on guard, guarded catch and shoots this season. 41% overall off the catch. And the thing that is really exciting about his catch and shoot game is it's not just standing in the corner, the OG and OB style. All right, I'm going to stand there and wait for a three to come to me and then I'm probably going to bang it in. He can do that, but he can also move and catch and shoot. And that is such a valuable skill, especially for a team that I think has a lot of potential to run a lot of like fun split actions and pin downs and stuff like that with, uh, you know, Jakob Pertl running the elbow, Scotty Barnes passing from all over the place. Uh, you know, Pascal's always kind of looking for outlets once he meanders in the middle of the floor when he's creating. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to get Jordan Hawkins running around and getting him some really good looks within this offense. I mean, it's something that they've tried with Gary Trent Jr., I don't know if Gary has that sort of like quick release off the catch, off the move 
that we're talking about with Jordan Hawkins is kind of a different thing. Like Gary will catch it and then kind of size guys up, maybe take like a sidestep or something like that, take a step in for the mid-range. But he's not really someone you're moving around for those. Who I think of is, you know, J.J. Reddick kind of flying around a pin down, catching it off balance and still nailing it in. I don't quite associate Gary Trent Jr. with that type of movement shooting. Uh, Jordan Hawkins does all of that. And man... What a just a, like a novel skill set it would be to have within this team. I would love it. Um, again, he's going to do it on the move. He's going to do it as a transition outlet as well. And as Hoop and Elect, our, our pal on YouTube, sort of dug into in their video breaking down Hawkins from just a couple days ago. The link is in the description if you want to go check that out. Um, but he said he's like the best movement shooter he's scouted in the last few years, period, like going into the draft. So, look... <laughs> it's it's a tantalizing skill set even if it's a kind of a one-dimensional skill set we'll get into the, some of the stuff that's not so great about Hawkins's game um, but like that one skill is so elite and so stand out when you look at the film that it's really hard to pass up honestly like if I'm the Raptors and I'm thinking I need to add shooting to my team Jordan Hawkins shooting is just like you're not getting any better than that in this range of the draft I don't think um, again he kind of as far as other things he does well, like he has that two step in after you know getting run off the line, he can step in and make the mid ranger just like Gary Trent Jr. Like Gary Trent Jr., he doesn't quite get to the basket as much as you'd like. He has, I think, a little bit more burst and has shown a little bit more ability to do that. Um, but you know, it's not like the the sort of hallmark of his game. But he does have that counter when he's run off the line and he's got that mid-range game, which is encouraging considering he's the type of guy who's going to get run off the line. It's just how those shooter types are defended in the NBA. So you got to have that counter, and he's got those counters starting to build within his game. Sorry to punch my mic there. Um, so that's that's encouraging. I also think, again, going back to the whole he knows where to stand thing, shout out to Patrick Redford from our friends over at Defector um, for sort of coining this phrase and really having it be one of the driving principles of uh, how I think about basketball is... Dude knows where to stand. Dude's, dude knows how to operate within a team. He's not going to command a million touches for a Raptors team that struggled with this issue of sort of offensive tension and, uh, you know, role overlap and whose turn is it now and whose turn is it when. Doesn't seem like that's going to be an issue for Jordan Hawkins. He just kind of plays within the team. And I think he kind of amplifies those around him because of the space that he creates and because teams are going to have to guard him full on without space given most of the time like he's going to create extra laneways and driving lanes and all this stuff because he is that much of a spacing threat um and that is very conducive to like good team offense having guys who are going to command attention even when they're not your best players seems pretty valuable to me um again he he's also He's not someone who's going to like handle, handle the ball and dribble 5,000 times into oblivion and you know run into a, a contested shot. He doesn't seem to have very gluey hands. Like He'll get it. If there's nothing there, he'll kind of pass it off and keep the possession moving. He's not going to make those types of passes when something dies down that like connect and like make the play go from nothing into something probably, but he'll connect the play in that he'll keep it alive and not sort of hold it to himself and just divert back to a playmaker and have them sort of go and reset, um, which I think is a valuable thing. The Raptors have had a lot of trouble with dudes just dribbling the life out of the ball, and it's part of it's by design. They were an ISO hunting, mismatch hunting team, and so that leads to that sort of stagnant offense quite a bit. I think with Jordan Hawkins bringing in his shooting and his ability to move away from the ball, which he's like always moving off the ball, it seems, when you watch his film. like He's very, very quick and constant in the way he's moving away from the ball. 
that feels like a way to breathe a little bit of life in what the Raptors do uh, kind of immediately. And again, we can't quantify it. The fact that he's just like a proven winner, I think that has to matter. Like, I, there's this really sort of untold thing in the NBA of like the, and this is the whole issue that Masai Ujiri denoted at the end of the year that what went wrong with the Raptors this year was just they didn't have any cohesion. They weren't on the string. Having dudes who like know what it means to win at an extremely high level, I feel like that matters and helps towards that overall goal of sort of being in it for something bigger than yourself. Jordan Hawkins has been there. He's seen it. That's important to me. And I think that's a valuable, like a real asset. Even if you can't quantify it with a number, I think it's a real asset and a guy you want to draft. Um, I like a lot of what Jordan Hawkins does. The offense is really, really like the three-point shooting is nuts. As far as the minuses go, the sort of consensus between our pals KOC and Raphael Barlow and Hoopin Elect, not really a primary ball handler, probably is never going to be that, doesn't gain a ton of separation, doesn't, you know, create just out of nothing. He's got to create with his movement and working off of screens and working off of his teammates and all of that. But for me, like, that's not really that much of a red flag to me. Like, not everyone can be an on-ball player. The NBA is full of dudes who are, like, recurring characters on excellent basketball teams. I think of Danny Green. I think of Bruce Brown. I think of Contavious Caldwell-Pope, not to just only go nuggets in the last couple of examples. But um, there's a lot of guys who just are recurring characters on teams that are good and that matter who are not guys who have the ball in their hands. Like, not everyone can do that. There's one basketball. There are five players. It's just basic math and just how basketball works. You can't have someone or all five of your guys be on-ball creators. And in fact, the Raptors kind of tried it last year with their small ball starting five, and it wasn't very good. And it kind of stunk and sent the whole season in a bit of a tailspin. And so I don't have a problem if Jordan Hawkins is not going to be a number one on-the-ball creator. And look, it would be amazing if you could draft someone like that at 13. And maybe they can. The reason I'm a little higher on Kobe Bufkin is I think he actually could kind of grow into an on-ball creator type in addition to all the off-ball scoring he can do. Kaysen Wallace also feels like he could do that, maybe. I don't think he's going to be there for the Raptors at 13. It should be noted. But, um, you know, it's also not a guarantee he's going to do that. It seems like a 50-50 proposition that Kaysen Wallace is either going to be like a Drew Holiday type, off-guard type, who, you know, can handle a little bit here and there and is not going to be like out of place running pick and rolls, but it's not going to be his main lot on an NBA team. Um, it's just hard to find guys who are those ball handling creator types. And look, the Raptors might already have that. Scotty Barnes, really bloody good creator, can pass with the best of them, can get to his spots with the best of them just because he's so strong and bouncy and nimble and all of this stuff. So maybe you don't need someone who's going to be your go-to on the ball, you know, run a hundred pick and roll type of guy, run a hundred pick and roll a game type of guy. I don't think anyone's ever run 100 pick and rolls in a game, but you get my point. Um, exaggerating for effect. That's what that is. Um, so again, the other guys might have a better shot of becoming on-ball creators. I just don't think that's something the Raptors desperately need. Obviously, anyone would love if they could have a guy at 13 turn into a superstar on-ball creator. The odds are wildly against it. And so again, I'd just rather go for a guy who's going to fit into a team construct And it feels like Jordan Hawkins is going to do that despite the lack of on-ball creation. You know, you you could, though, look at his issues just as like a secondary creator, just as someone who's attacking closeouts and say, hey, maybe that's a bit of a red flag. Maybe that's a guy who maybe defenses can kind of gear up to funnel into mistakes. 
And that's possible. He's also going to be a rookie, and these things, these guys are not complete finished projects. And there have been some flashes of him creating off the catch and sort of attacking closeouts and making something happen on the next play. Whether it is that mid-range game, whether it's getting a little closer to the rim, dump off passes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, he's not a great playmaker. Probably never will be. One point three assists a game to one point four turnovers a game. It's not amazing. But again, you're not asking him to be an ISO guy for you, and I would like to see the Raptors pivot away from asking all their guys to be ISO guys anyway. And if you're going to run a refreshed offensive system, again, we don't know who the coach is going to be. Whoever the coach is might inform, in fact, where these guys kind of end up coming in on my final board before the draft. Um, But the Raptors don't necessarily need someone who can go and get you six assists in a game and have the ball in their hands a ton, right? Like, if they lose Fred Van Vliet, then that becomes more of a concern and that becomes more of a calculation as far as who you draft. But if Fred's there, which I still expect is still quite likely, I know there's all this Lakers noise and magic and all this stuff, but I I, I don't know. I'll believe the Raptors don't take care of their guy when I see it. But even if you lose Fred, I'm sure you're not drafting a like-for-like Fred replacement here anyway. No one's going to step in and do the Fred Van Vliet job from day one, regardless of if it's Kaysen Wallers or Kobe Bufkin or whomever else. And so i just rather someone who can fit into a refreshed, reimagined Raptors offense that's a little bit more built on structure and running off-ball sets, and Jordan Hawkins feels like a guy who can slot into that really nicely even if the playmaking maybe never comes. And it might not. Like, it just might not. He also probably isn't going to be, like, an incredible lockdown defender necessarily. Um, But as our our friend Hoopin-Elect points out, as uh, Raphael Barlow said, like, he's not going to be a bad defender. He tries really hard, and he's going to, I think, at the very least, be, like, a slight positive on that end with maybe the upside to get better, but he's not going to be someone who gets played off the floor because they can't hang defensively. So that's good to know. We're going to come back on the other side, wrap this thing up, and take a look at whether or not he'll be there at 13 for the Raptors, where he's being mocked right now by some of the experts, and ultimately, sort of the the question that that it all comes down to, like, is he someone who the Raptors should be taking with a very high lottery pick? Like, is he enough? Is there enough there? We'll get to that in a sec. Before we dive in, just a reminder, you can go and check out Locked on NBA Big Board, baby. It's a wonderful show hosted by Raphael Barlow, along with Richard Stamen, Mavs Draft, who's a wonderful draft resource as well, as well as Leif Doolin. It's great. Uh, honestly, it's a wonderful way to get up to speed on everything going on with the NBA Draft. Locked on NBA Big Board. Go check them out wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's uh, dive in here to uh, the, the sort of last prong of this episode. And that where, is he going to be there at 13 when the Raptors pick? I'll give a little spoiler. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but we did a Locked On NBA mock draft. And I was licking my lips thinking, ooh, Jordan Hawkins is going to follow me at 13. And then, nope. I think he went 11th in the in the mock draft we did. He might have gone 12th uh, to the Thunder. Either way, not getting Hawkins was a bit of a bummer for me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I audibled just fine. I got a guy I'm very, very happy with who you'll see when we release that locked in NBA mock draft at a later date. Um, but, yeah, I, 
I, I like Hawkins a lot. I was really hoping he'd be there. Ultimately, I don't think our mock draft is super representative of what will actually happen. I go more sort of what the experts are mocking. These guys who do these mock drafts are not just doing them based on where they think guys should go, but also like what their intel is, what they're hearing from around the league, from their sources. And right now, Kevin O'Connor has uh, Jordan Hawkins going 17 to the Lakers. Raphael Barlow has him going 20 to the Houston Rockets. And so if that lines up, stands to reason the Raptors will have a pretty good shot at having him available at 13. Whether he'll be top on their board, who's to say? Whether he'll even be top on my board at that point, who's to say? But I do think there will be a very serious consideration that has to go into taking Jordan Hawkins at 13 if he's there, which I think is likely. And ultimately, the reason I'm in on Hawkins so much, he's like one of my favorite guys in this draft, where the Raptors are, it's just he fits a team need so badly. Yes, the Raptors need both guard play and shooting. And he's not really bringing you the guard play element of it, but the eliteness of his shooting is such that I can overlook the lack of pick and roll creation and stuff like that because the shooting is just so slap you in the face good. The shot is so pretty looking. I, I, I just I feel like you take this guy, he's going to be a good player for you. There's just no doubt. He reminds me a lot of Cam Johnson. And sort of not 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 player comp wise, just sort of this sort of older prospect who was just a lights out three point shooter in college, who because he was an older prospect who maybe didn't have a lot else to show in his game other than the three point shooting was like viewed as a surprise when he went 13th overall to the Suns back in whatever draft he was taking in 2018. I, I can't remember the one where Kobe White was all hilarious on draft night, uh, reacting to the news. I think. There's a very real chance that like Jordan Hawkins, while not being a guy with all this sort of on-ball skill, he doesn't carry the playmaking or the, the the handle of a Keontae George or a Nick Smith. He doesn't have the sort of on-ball wizardry of, of a lot of these sort of more pure point guard types. He's going to bring something that is a clear NBA skill on a team that badly needs said clear NBA skill, on a team that might be trying to replace Gary Trent Jr., and the skill set he brings, and Hawkins figures to me, maybe not fully in year one, maybe like 70% of Gary Trent Jr. in year one, but like, if you can bring him in, that is the exact skill set, essentially, that Gary Trent Jr. brings, with a little bit more upside on defense, for a fraction of the cost, and for a team that's going to get expensive here, in a league where getting expensive is going to have its penalties going forward, that feels like a pretty good trade-off for me, if you're just okay letting Gary Trent Jr. walk, which I think the Raptors might be, and honestly, I don't think that's like the worst thing in the world, I think his skill set is replaceable in the draft, for example, with a guy like Jordan Hawkins. And so, yeah, I, look, it's hard to say, too. I think uh, a, an interesting sort of wrinkle here is do the Raptors continue being like a crazy offensive rebounding heavy team? If so, Jordan Hawkins becomes an interesting guy to throw into those lineups, especially those ones that feature the offensive board crashing types like a Precious Achua or a Chris Boucher. Think of all the times the Raptors have had wide open threes off of busted plays, off of offensive rebounds that just don't go down because they don't have good shooting. Think of how dangerous a Jordan Hawkins could be on an offensive rebounding forward team like the Raptors as a guy who can capitalize on those busted possessions off of offensive rebounds. Like, that's something to hear too. Will they still be like that now that Nick Nurse is out? Maybe not. Maybe they go more traditional and scale back. But the whole league right now is skewing towards offensive rebounding a little bit more than they have in recent years. And it feels like Jordan Hawkins on a team that still, even if they change their philosophy, is still going to be very big, going to have guys who are good offensive rebounders. 
maybe he's a guy who can capitalize off that as well. I, I just feel like he addresses such a glaring need for this team that I get really excited thinking about him coming around screens, running dribble handoffs with Jakob Pertle and, you know, Scotty Barnes. Like, there's some excitement there, man. And, and I do really think Jordan Hawkins deserves a long, long look here. I also want to address a question that came in from listener Noah in the Discord asking, what's he doing when shots ain't going in? And that's a real question that's sort of like the biggest knock on him is like, can he contribute when he's not hitting threes? But to me, the fact that he's not a defender who's going to burn you and get played off the floor, that matters, one. And two, just like, when you're that elite at defense, even when your shots aren't going in, you're having an impact on the floor. You are drawing defense. You are creating space for others. Teams have to care about you. And if they stop caring about you, then, oh my God, you have an elite three-point shooter there not being guarded. That seems pretty valuable too. I, I just, I, I think the sort of concerns about his lack of a well-rounded offensive game kind of underlie, or sort of undercut how good his three-point shooting can be and what it's going to bring to a team. And so for me, if I'm just going like my own personal board of the guys we've talked about, I think Kobe Bufkin's still number one for me just because he has a little bit more of a well-rounded offensive package and can do the off-ball thing while also maybe having a little bit more upside on the offensive end while still being like a, a, a try-hard defender and all of that. I think I have Hawkins ahead of Case and Wallace, though. And it's because, I, you know, the Wallace offense, I think it maybe is a little further away from being like full-on NBA impactful. Like he's not a catch-and-shoot in marksman just yet like he's got that in his game he probably will be able to do it but it's not like a thing that hawkins has where it's just like a no-brainer oh my god this guy is an incredible shooter and and so yeah i think i have hawkins just slightly ahead of wallace for me and look this changes if fred's gone then maybe wallace is a better pick again will wallace be there at 13 i have my doubts um i would bet against it frankly but uh if he is there then maybe he's the pick if, if they think they're losing fred van vliet but if you're just going a guy who addresses a need and is going to be a good basketball player, Jordan Hawkins feels like a really, really good pick to me. I, I don't know how many guys I'm going to go through here that are going to knock him off the number two perch on my personal board among these guys in this range. But uh, I'm a big Jordan Hawkins sicko, and I, I, I hope all of you are as well. It'll be fun uh, to see you know the, the, the people get behind a certain pick here. And there's nothing more satisfying than really zeroing in on a guy and the Raptors actually take the guy on draft night. It's always fun. Um, so yeah, Jordan Hawkins, I'm in, man. I, I, I really, really like him. I would be very thrilled if the Raptors took him at 13. I think three-point shooting's real. I think the sort of winning mentality and all this sort of intangible crap that we all talk about and can't quantify matters. Uh, as much as I just called it intangible crap, I'm just sort of using that as like a sort of general... That's how the whole world views that stuff as opposed to sort of how I actually think it is. Uh, I think that matters. So yeah, Jordan Hawkins, fully in. If he's the Raptors pick at 13, I would have no qualms with that whatsoever. Even though I have Kobe Bufkin a little higher, could totally see the reasoning for taking Hawkins and his dead eyes shooting ahead of a buffkin as well so uh that's where i'm going to leave it for today let me know in the comments what you think about jordan hawkins are you as in on hawkins as i am uh where does he rank on your own personal board please uh let us know down in the comments below thank you for tuning into the show and checking out the latest of our draft profiles if you haven't yet go back and check out the episodes on Kaysen Wallace and Kobe Bufkin from last week. Of course, the everyday listeners of the podcast have already checked those out, and they're way in the know. You should become an everydayer as well, so go back and check those, baby. We'll be back again tomorrow. Sir Pal Vivek Jacob is along, and we're going to have a big-picture chat, uh, probably get into the coaching stuff a little bit as we continue to wait it out. Adrian Griffin, of course, hired by the Milwaukee Bucks. He will not be the Toronto Raptors head coach, which I think I'm fine with, but uh, maybe you have a differing opinion on that as well. We'll get into the coach stuff and more 
with our pal Big V tomorrow on Tuesdays. We progress through the week. Jamar Hines will be on later on this week as well. We'll keep on doing the, uh, the draft profiles, et cetera, et cetera. And hopefully there'll be some news to react to coaching-wise very, very soon. With that, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for tuning in. Surprise, uh, please subscribe, support, rate, review, et cetera, et cetera, on YouTube as well as on the audio side of things. And uh, thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go listen to Locked in NBA Big Board right now. We're Locked in NBA for your second listen to get ready for Heat Celtics tonight. That should be fun and stressful. I hope Kyle Lowry wins. I don't want the Heat to lose, and I don't want the Celtics in the finals, blah, 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 blah. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much. We'll talk Tuesday. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 